I've got a message that I have not preached before, but I've been preaching it to me all week, and I, 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 it's amazing. My message and these songs and these testimonies, almost like we sat down and orchestrated this thing. I love it when it's like that. I'm telling you, there are some good things that are, that are in a... The title of my message, I'm not sure it's even going to apply now. Things have gone a little differently. But the title of my message was A Day in the Life of Jesus. Several, well, several years ago, I was reading through the Gospels for the umpteenth time, but I began to notice a, a pattern that I had not seen the previous many, many times that I had been, I'd read the Gospels. One of them, I love reading about the life of Jesus. I've watched The Chosen five different times. Can't wait for the third season to come up. I about got the script memorized for the, for the first two. But I watched The Chosen, and then I'll go and I'll reread the, uh, re -re the, the Gospels again. And it just makes things just come alive. But anyway, I, I noticed there's a pattern in Jesus' ministry that's recorded in the Gospels. The ones that I paid most attention to was the Gospel of, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke because they're, so, they're very similar in, uh, in their presentation. But I just was looking at that, and there's a pattern to the way that Jesus went about his ministry. The Word of God says over in, uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing, he went about doing, he went about doing, good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Now what I want to do this morning, I want to see if Jesus lived up to that. I just want to know. I'm going to present some evidence to you and you be the judge. Did Jesus live up after he was anointed? Did he go about doing good? Did he go about healing all who were oppressed of the devil? Did he leave his mark? So there's some things here I think I can tie in that are going to encourage you and there's some illustrations here of people who very well may have been dealing with the same kind of physical and emotional and spiritual issues that you are that got a breakthrough. Now, let's just begin by opening our Bibles at Matthew, at Matthew chapter, 10, uh, chapter uh, 9, or Matthew what? 8. And I'll warn the guy in the sound booth, I may, not, I may vary a bit here, so just be, be flexible. But I'm not sure where this is going. I just, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation today. Uh, I, I love this thing. I do my devotional reading in the Passion. So I'm going to read a lot of Scripture. But if you've got your Bible or make notes or whatever, just so you can go back and, uh, and check them yourself. But let's just begin with Matthew 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 1. So as after Jesus came down from teaching on the hillside, massive crowds began following him. And I want you to see what's the next word there. Suddenly, in the Passion Translation, and suddenly. Will you just say suddenly with me? Suddenly. I'm telling you, sometimes God just suddenly does something. Some of you are going to experience a suddenly. Anna Joe experienced a suddenly. I mean, it wasn't something that, that, that just... You know, she'd been praying for a long time, but suddenly, some of you today can receive your suddenly. I prophesy some of you will receive your suddenly. So here's what he says. Suddenly, a leper walked up to Jesus and threw himself down before him and worshiped and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you really want to. I love Jesus' answer. 
Jesus reached out his hand, touched the leper, and said, Of course I want to heal you. Be healed. Instantly, all the signs of leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, Speak to, uh, don't speak to any. I love this. Jesus does reverse psychology. I mean, he just, he, he, he knows human nature. He knows how to get us to do what he wants us to do when we don't know that we're doing what he wants us to do. And Jesus said to him, don't speak to anyone, but go at once and find a priest and show him what's happened to you. Make sure you take the offering. There it is. Take the offering. Moses commanded so you can, can uh, certify your healing. Well, what's this? When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain of the Roman army approached him, asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I'll go with you and be healed. But watch this. The Roman soldier, you don't have to go with me. I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. You're a man that understands authority. All you need is you just say the word. Just say the word. You don't need to go to my house. Say the word, and my son will be healed. So, uh, anyway, Jesus, uh, in verse 13, then Jesus turned to the Roman officer and said, Go home. All that you have believed for will be done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. A day in the life of Jesus. He starts signs, wonders, miracles, and healings the first thing in the morning. And I want you, I mean, you're going to see something here. Jesus, I never had even used the word about me until not many, about doing things intentionally. I intended to do some things, but some, I never re, uh, thought they were done intentionally. But Jesus was very intentional about what he was doing. He looked up to heaven, and I, I, it doesn't say it here in the Scripture, but we know it does in other places. Jesus went out early every morning and got his instructions from that day from the Father because he said, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing, and I don't say anything I don't hear the Father saying. So when he went out, he went out with his antenna on, his ears on, and he knew exactly when he saw that when, when he saw what he saw, he knew this was a setup. I declare to you, some of you have been set up. Tell it, God has set you up. Look at verse uh, 14. Then Jesus went to Peter's house. I love this little section. Jesus went to Peter's house and found Peter's mother-in-law bedridden, severely ill with a fever. The moment Jesus touched her, uh, touched her hand, she was healed. Immediately, what's this? What'd she do? Immediately, she got up and did what? What'd she do? She made dinner for her. I'm telling you, that's the way to confirm your healing. Hallelujah. Husbands, when your wife is sick, lay hands on her and see she'll come up, get up out of that bed and go make dinner for you. As a confirmation, I've, been, I've had an encounter with the Holy One. That evening, I mean, we're on a roll here. The Roman soldier's uh, son's been healed, and Peter's wife has been healed. And that evening, they brought to him many who were demonized. And Jesus, only, uh, by only speaking a word of healing over them, they were totally set free from their torment. And everyone who was sick received their healing. 
a day in the life of Jesus. I'm telling you, you are in a day in the life of Jesus. There is an intentionality on God's part to encounter you and say to you, get up, be healed, your rest has come. Then you look down at, in verse 17, he put, him, he put upon himself our weaknesses, and he carried our diseases. Amen? And he made us well. Well, in the midst of this, I'm not going to read it, but just over the next, the next several verses, Jesus is healing, right, left, and center, and then he's on a boat and the storm comes. What does he do? He speaks to the storm, and that thing just calms down completely. I love what Bill Johnson says, that, you know, Jesus is in the bottom of the boat asleep. And, and people say, well, why on earth was Jesus sleeping? Why wasn't he up, up uh, topside trying to comfort the disciples? Jesus says, because there was no storm in Jesus' life. I mean, he was perfectly at ease. No storm in the life of Jesus. So he reprimanded the storm. And he stood up and rebuked it and said, be still. And instantly the thing was still. Turn over to chapter 9. Are you with me? A day in the life of Jesus. Just a number of things that we see there that Jesus has done. Jesus got into a boat and returned to what was considered his hometown in Capernaum. Just then, some people brought a paraplegic man to him lying on a sleeping mat. When Jesus perceived the strong faith within their hearts, he said to the paralyzed man, My son, be encouraged, for your sins are forgiven. And man, then I want you to just look. These words prompted some of the religious folk who were present to think, Wow, that's nothing but blasphemy. I'm telling you, get prepared, and you've already experienced this. When you begin moving in the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles, I'll guarantee every, every religious nut in town is going to come after you. They're, they cannot accept the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. He can do what he said he can do. He hears what the Father is doing. He says what the Father says. I'm telling you, be ready for it. That's a badge of honor when the religious come at you accusing you of all kinds of unseemly things. Jesus was un totally undeterred by that. Where'd I go? Uh, look down at verse, verse 6. But now to convince you that the Son of Man has been uh, given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, stand up, pick up your mat and walk, walk home. Immediately, when? Immediately the man sprang to his feet and left home. When the crowds witnessed this, this miracle, what? They were put off by it? They were awestruck, the Amplified Bible says. What does it say up there? They were encouraged by what? When the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God because he had given such authority to human beings. I'm telling you, we need, there, there's something about, about being touched by Jesus that's just incredible. Look over verse uh, 18 now. We're getting into the meat of this thing. While Jesus was still speaking, an influential Jewish leader approached him and knelt before him saying, Help me. My daughter has just died. Please come and place your hand upon her so that she will live again. 
So Jesus and his disciples went with him. Look at the next verse, verse 20. Let's see what it says. And, well, it's the same thing. Suddenly, when? Suddenly, suddenly. I tell God is into suddenlies. He's a suddenly God. I'm telling you, when he goes out in the morning, he's looking to release suddenlies. And he's doing, I'm telling you, folk, be ready for your suddenly. Suddenly. Got a dear friend that I've been, I've been praying with. He's been, he's been suffering considerably for the last three years. And I just keep saying, and suddenly, 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 your suddenly is coming, and this stuff is going to be gone in Jesus' name. But suddenly, suddenly, a woman came from behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his, of his prayer shawl for healing. What happened? You know about this woman? I mean, this is she'd been putting up, she'd, she'd been having a bleeding issue for a hemorrhaging issue for 12 years. This is an encouragement. Listen to me. Listen to me. You may have been in a 12-year pattern yourself. You may have been longer than, but I'm telling you, there is a suddenly that's got your name on it. There is a suddenly. She pressed in. She pressed in. She violated every Jewish law under the sun. She wasn't supposed to be seen in public. She could, be, she could have been stoned to death. But I'm telling you, she said, I must touch the hem of his garment because if I can get to him. And she broke through the crowd. She touched people that she shouldn't touch. They saw, but she was bound and determined. I'm telling you, exercise your faith. Get it out there. And suddenly we'll meet you on the other side of that. And suddenly, suddenly, I can't even keep my place. I'm doing so good. And suddenly, she was healed from a 12-year infirmity. This friend of mine, I hope you're listening. You've been at it three years. You've got a suddenly on the way. The man at the Gate Beautiful, 38 years. The man at the, the Pool of Siloam, a lot of years. I'm telling you, God, see, Time is not a, a problem with God. It, it's, he, he's eternal. He don't have a clock or a time uh, or, or a watch or a calendar. But in his timing, in the fullness of time. I had a conversation with the Lord many years ago. I was out mowing our, the churchyard, a little church I was pastoring. And I, I was mowing. And, and above the sound of the mower, I, just, I was just complaining to the Lord. I wasn't praying. I was just complaining. God, you've given me all these prophetic words, and I'm telling you, things just get worse. Every time I get a prophetic word, I just, just, just don't give me any more. I can't stand the disappointment of any more. I said, when are you going to do something? When are you going to, to, when are these things going to start? And he says, Lord, listen to me, son. He says, I don't have a clock, and I don't have a calendar. Well, he got my attention, and he said, let me tell you, I have one measurement of time. I said, what's that? He says, I do things in the fullness of time. You can't hurry it. You can't slow it down. You just have to agree with it. In the fullness of time. And your time is coming. After this, I want you to see what happened. As Jesus left the house where he had raised this, uh, this, this child uh, back to life, he left two blind men, began following him, shouting, 
over and over, some of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed, and these blind men followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? They replied, yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over his eyes and said, you will have what your life expects, or what your faith expects, excuse me. You will have what your faith expects. And instantly, suddenly, their eyes were opened. They could see. Then Jesus warned them sternly, make sure that you tell no one what happened. But I like this. But, oh, my goodness, how do you keep such good news to you? They couldn't help themselves. Jesus set them up. He, he knew they were going to do the exact opposite of what he told them. But they were unable to contain themselves. They went out and spread the news everywhere. 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 And while they were leaving, good night. Some other people brought to Jesus a man with a demon spirit who couldn't speak. Jesus cast the demon out of him. Immediately the man began to speak plainly. The crowd just marveled in astonishment and said, we've never seen anything like this before. Can Lake Jackson and Clute and Brazoria County, can there be things happening here at Shady Oaks Church where the people, my word, we've never seen anything like this before, but we want to see more of it. The crowds marveled. We've never seen anything. But the Pharisees kept saying, there they are again. I mean, they just can't stand good news. But the Pharisees kept saying, the chief of demons is helping him drive them out. I mean, how, how dumb can you be and breathe? I mean, they can't even believe their eyes. Then look at verse 36. Jesus walked through the region with the joyful message of God's kingdom realm. He taught in their meeting, meeting houses. Wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of disease and illness. That's who we serve. He is a good God. He is always good. He can do nothing but good. I told him in Kenya, if it ain't good, it ain't God. Because God can only do you good. And wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every disease. When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus, his heart was deeply moved with compassion. What was his motivation to do what he did? He was moved with compassion. In Jesus' name, I just believe that there's going to be a releasing of compassion in the, this body of Christ, this house. And you're going to be compelled. The compassion is going to be so strong, you can't help yourself but to do what, what you know that Jesus does. What did Jesus, what did Jesus do on a daily basis? He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What are we to do? To go about doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He's anointed us. He's anointed us. The same anointing by which He anointed Jesus. We carry, there's not one ounce of difference in the anointing you have and what Jesus had. That's not blasphemy, that's, that's gospel. 
It's wonderful. I'm telling you, we carry the goods. Rita and I used to we go down to the mall. We live about a, a mile from Northeast Mall in Hearst, Texas. And back before COVID, we'd go down there pretty early in the morning, and a, a bunch of us old mall walkers would be in there. Well, I'm telling you, that's like going to a, a hospital uh, emergency room. You're going to find, they're gonna, you're going to stumble over somebody that you can pray for. And then there's cockeyed uh, COVID stuff, and they shut the thing down, and then you've got to put a mask on. Okay, it's kind of hard to, to get someone's uh, confidence up when they can't see nothing but your, but your eyes. But we would, I just see people, uh, some of them cri more crippled up than I was. And I said, hey, man, what's going on with you? And they'd share with me and say, can I pray with, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? And I don't know that I ever had one of them that said no. I'm telling you, there are places. It's about being intentional. It's about being moved with compassion. And you just don't take no for an answer. I had a strange experience one time. Man, I, I walked into a Walmart store and, uh, in, in uh, Deer Park. And uh, anyway, my intention was I'm going to walk. I, I need to go way back to the far corner to get something. I said, I'm just going to be looking at any opportunities. Somebody who's limping a hearing aid or something or the other. And I just want to just stop and, and, and I talk to them, see if I can pray for them. Well, little did I know it was a setup. By the time I got back to the back of that thing, I was looking for somebody to pray for me. <laughs> True story. True story. Jesus saw the crowds. His, he was moved with compassion. The harvest is right, huge and right, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. Let me tie some things together. Let's go back to, to Matthew 8. Let's just look. How did Jesus operate? First, rattle out of the box. He heals a leper. Second, rattle out of the box. He heals us into the Roman soldier's uh, child, his son. The third thing he does, he heals, uh, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. The, then he, uh, he rebuked the wind. Then he, in uh, chapter 9, uh, he heals the, the paralytic man lying on a, 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 a mat. And then he leaves there and runs into old Matthew. You remember him from the, the chosen. And then Jesus, is, uh, Jairus comes to him and uh, says, help my daughter. I mean, it's one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing right after another. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 8 and 9, there are 10 different miracles of Jesus that he used to, to basically verify that he was the Son of God. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 9. Jesus, uh, verse 1, Jesus summoned together his 12 apostles and imparted to them power and authority over every demon and the power to heal every disease. There is something so interesting about this. Well, let me read. And then, uh, then he commissioned them to preach God's kingdom realm and to heal the sick and to demonstrate the kingdom that had arrived. Listen, this, this is the interesting thing to me. 
these disciples were not even saved. They hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus he, Jesus imparts his anointing to them and says, you go do it because I've imparted my authority, my anointing to them, and I give you the authority to do it. He gave them the power, the dunamis power, miracle-working power, but he also gave them the right to use that authority. You have been anointed he has imparted his power to you. The, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because he's anointed us. I'm telling you, we have everything we need. We have everything that Jesus, I'm telling you, he says, go do it because I've anointed you. I've given you the authority. I've given you the right to use it. Go do the, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Chapter 10 of Luke. After this, the Lord Jesus found 35. He's sending out to 70. Each team with two disciples, 70 in all. And he commissioned them to go ahead of him into every town that he was about to visit. He sent the advanced team in. Hallelujah. He sent an advanced team in to prepare the soil for when he'd be coming to town. And he released them with these instructions. Look down at verse 9. What is his instructions? Heal the sick. Tell them all God's kingdom realm has arrived and is now within your reach. You know, when you read over in, uh, I think it's in John's gospel, where they're, uh, they're having the tabernacle of feast, I think it is. And Jesus goes each day and he comes back with the water and so forth for the, for the sacrifice, whatever. And it says that they were w wait, waiting for the return of the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were looking for the Messiah. And Messiah was right there in the front of them, but they did not have eyes to see nor ears to hear. I'm telling you, folks, some some folk in our churches and a lot of folk outside, they're waiting for what has already come. He is here. There's not another Messiah coming. There's not another Savior coming. He is here. He's among us. He's here. Can we just accept the fact by faith He is who He says He is. He can do what He says He can do. And we simply follow and, and exercise our faith in the doing of that. Turn to, 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 to go back to Mark chapter 6. We're about to bring this, this plane in. It's running a little low on fuel. I, I, oh, in, in 1993, before Reed and I moved from North Texas down to, uh, to the Houston area, now this area, we went to a meeting in Arlington that uh, Reinhard Bonnke was the, the main speaker, and I don't remember who else, a number of well-known uh, speakers. And Reinhardt shared the, this, the message on what these verses I'm gonna, that so impacted me. I want to share these. I'm telling you, this will encourage you, and it will destroy every excuse we've ever had for not being able to do what Jesus told us to do. Amen? Uh, look at verse 9. Early on the first day of the week, 
after rising from the dead. Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. This just always amazed me. The least likely of the bunch, Jesus appears to her first because she's the only one who believes what he said. I mean, she had no way. She just took him at his word. As we say, she's just dumb enough to believe him. After she had seen Jesus, she ran to tell, tell the disciples who were all emotionally devastated and, and weeping. <clears throat> Excitedly, Mary told them, he's alive. I've seen him. But even after hearing that, they didn't believe her. Lord, have I, I'm telling you, these guys had been with Jesus for three and a half years. But they were still so closed-minded, and, and I don't know what they were. They just, just something. After this, verse 12, Jesus appeared to two of the, uh, of the disciples, these ones on the road to Emmaus, who were on their way to another village, appearing in, uh, in a form they did not recognize. They went back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples, but they didn't believe it was true. Good night. Then Jesus appeared before the 11 apostles. Maybe, maybe the third time's charm. Jesus appeared before the 11 apostles as they were eating a meal. He corrected them for having, what's this, such hard, unbelieving hearts because they did not believe those who saw him after his resurrection. They did not believe. They did not believe. They have unbelief and hardness of heart. But the thing that just blew me away Look at the next verse. And he said to them, who's the them? The unbelieving, the hard-hearted, the hard-headed. I mean, wouldn't believe, wouldn't accept nothing. What, I don't know why Jesus didn't say, I'll go find me somebody else. You've been, I've been with you three years. You've eaten with me. You've slept with me. You've walked with me. What on earth would it take for you to understand I am the Messiah. I am who I say I am. And go find you some others. But he said to them, to these unbelievers, I call them clowns, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire race. These guys, unbelieving, hard-hearted, unbelieving, but you go preach the gospel. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracle, uh, miracle signs will accompany those who believe. He said those who, but who, 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 this, who believe will experience they did, uh, Apparently there's something happened. And I love what Ryan Hartborn, what happened between verses uh, 15 and 16? He said it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit took these guys who were unbelieving, who were hard-hearted, who were hard-headed, and he made all the difference in the world. They will speak in tongues. They'll drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They'll be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything deadly. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted into heaven, set down at the right hand of the Father, and the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord consistently 
worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle, uh, miracle signs that accompanied them. What an incredible, I'm telling you, this encourages me so much. I put in my notes, if you think you're, you're disqualified from operating in the supernatural power of God, just read the story of these guys. I mean, if Jesus could take these guys and turn them into, to, to, what did he do? He left them in charge of evangelizing the known world, for goodness sakes. These guys who didn't believe, who wouldn't believe, who did this. But I'm telling you, after the power of the Holy Ghost came on them, he made them world changers. We have the power, we have the authority to change Clute, to change Lake Jackson, to change Brazoria County, to change Texas, to change the United States. I'm telling you, there is such a need for the releasing of the power of God in this day. I'm telling you, there are so many hurting people, so many wounded people, so many desperate people. They're willing to do things and go places that they'd never be willing to go except for their desperation. I love Mario Murillo. He's having these incredible crusades. People are coming hours before the thing begins just so they can get in the tent. And they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Every perverse thing under the sun is coming. The drunks, the, uh, the addicts, the prostitutes, all of them are coming because they're desperate. They've tried everything else and they finally come to the city. Jesus is the only explanation or the place I have. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. There is desperation out there. Have you ever seen so many angry people, so many, so many discouraged people, so many suicides, so much murder, so much on and on and on it goes. I'm telling you, it's a setup. God has set us up for, for, for being a part of this great awakening that's already in the mix. I'm telling you, when you think you don't have a place, go back and read Mark 16. I mean, your name is there. You just allow the Spirit of God to give you a fresh infusion of His Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost fire in Jesus' name. It's time. It's time for the church. Let us arise and let the enemy be scattered. I love those songs that, that we sang this morning. I'm encouraged by I'm telling you, it's our time. It's our day. It's our season. And God says, I've set you up for just such a time as this. Amen. I love this word. I've never preached it before, but I've preached it myself a hundred times this week. A day in the life of Jesus, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The same anointing that anointed him to go about doing good is yours.